0: What's up, guys? As you guys know by now, we are working with Ball, the aerospace technology company, and they are looking for production technicians at their golden plant. This position is on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plants. The company offers a competitive $27.39 per hour with potential increase at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It offers exposure to a lot of manufacturing opportunities in the plant. But that's not all. Ball is the way it is because of its employees. They're welcoming to everyone and they want their employees to feel unstoppable. So if you're interested, text GOLDEN to 77222 and you'll get linked to open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for the word GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN or simply text GOLDEN to 77222.
1: Nobody out. Three and two on Charlie. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsey breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis guy.
2: He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dom. Two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Two rod, home run.
3: Trevor Story. Lock. on. So, touchdown. And touchdown! 2 for Sudden. Got it! Oh, man! That's from way downtown.
2: And the Blue Arrow is flying at Pepsi Center. Score! It's too good to be true.
0: Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Like I always say, our favorite brewery here at DNVR and in Colorado. It's just the absolute best. Good Company, Seltzers, their Breck brews, Avalanche, uh, Strawberry Sky, Hot Peak IPA. There's just so many. Definitely check them out. And you can buy them at the DMVR bar, uh, which is what we pretty much always drink when we are at the DMVR bar. But today I am your host, Ali Monroy. With me, I have Ryan Konigsberg, Harrison Wind, AJ Hayfley, and Patrick Lyons. And we are going to be talking about rebuilding. Um, and obviously what brings us to this topic is some of George Payton's comments at his press conference yesterday, as well as the trading of Von Miller. He says that the Broncos are not approaching a rebuild right now. So just first of all, I want to hear what you guys think of the word rebuild and why are teams so scared of it and why do they always avoid using it? We'll start off with you, Ryan.
3: Yeah, I think it's a kind of a a dirty word on the business side of sports. And I think that plays a big role in this is I think that teams are afraid that the word rebuild insinuates to fans. We are not trying to win right now. Uh, And of course that doesn't encourage them to come to the games uh, when they happen. So I think that's a big part of it is, you know, the Sixers really leaned into the whole trust the process thing when they were rebuilding. Um, And that was like an amazing marketing effort on their part. Um, But other than that, when teams say, hey, look, we're going to need to rebuild this thing, it says, hey, we're not going to win for a while. And the fans hear that. And I think that at least until you finish that job, they're not as excited, or at least until you get get the ball rolling on that. So I honestly think that's the number one reason why teams are afraid to say that word.
0: Harrison, Patrick, AJ, what do you guys think?
2: Well, it's it's funny you bring up the Sixers because the 76ers aren't even the ones that came up with trust the process. It was a fan-driven thing. So, like, that that's but the interesting part it, of that. Right? Eventually, eventually, at first, they didn't yeah, want, yeah. like, any part of it. Um, so, yeah, if, if the fans can get behind a rebuild, that's that's best-case scenario. But I think a rebuild in in every different sport means something different. Um, it's a different timeline in every sport you can rebuild faster in in one sport than another. Um, it's, it's really a case by case basis. It honestly means something different in every single situation.
0: So what does it mean for basketball, the NBA?
2: Well, rebuilding in the NBA really just starts when you find like one franchise guy, uh, it's kind of similar, I think, to the NFL in terms of your wheels are spinning until you find a quarterback. In the NBA, it's like you're rebuilding wheels are spinning until you find that one guy. Um, and when the Nuggets found Nicole Jokic, they didn't think they found that guy. It took them a couple seasons until they did. Um, and that's when kind of things really got off the ground. And what what you are seeing in the NBA these days is, yeah, you have like one team that pretty much tore everything down and is not trying to win. That's the Oklahoma city thunder. Everybody else is kind of pivoting to like more of a hybrid rebuild where they're bringing in a lot of young talent, trying to find one of those guys, but also putting enough veterans on the floor. So where you're not embarrassing yourself every game.
0: That makes sense. What about for hockey, AJ? What's a rebuild mean in hockey to you?
1: Arizona. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what Arizona, what
1: Arizona's doing is exactly how you should do it in, in the NHL. It's a it's a model that every every one of them should follow where uh, you pick a draft class that you think has a legitimate transcendent talent, you bought them out that year. you take on as many bad contracts as you possibly can for draft picks, and you just try and you just try and load up on young guys in what you think is going to be a good draft class. Uh, and if you end up wrong, then, you know, your, your whole plan is probably not going to work very well or yeah. certainly not on the timeline that you wanted. Uh, but it's, it's really it, – it's just about understanding the moment and understanding where you are relative, uh, relative to everybody else. Everybody has a first-round pick. Getting one of those guys isn't going to change your franchise alone uh, unless it's, like, that guy – And so you've just got to try and do what you can to ensure that you get that guy and what the coyotes are doing right now. I mean, this season is ghastly. They're the worst NHL team I've ever seen in my life. And I think they're going to end up being the worst team in modern NHL history. Maybe one of the worst teams ever, including expansion teams. Uh, They, they could win 10 games this year. They are brutally bad, but it's well, all gonna come it's all gonna come to a head at the draft next year because there's a transcendent talent that they're that they're losing these games for. Say, they I get that they, guy, it's worth.
3: They could lose less than ten. I mean, we're over ten percent of the way through the season and they have zero.
1: Yeah. The difference, uh, the big thing though is that they've won they've lost a lot of games in the last five minutes of third of the third period. They had the one mm-hmm. overtime loss to Buffalo, uh, which was a shockingly entertaining game for two bad people. <laughs> But they are, they 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 are playing hard, and there are a lot of positives to pull from their rebuild because their younger guys that they have in the league right now are the ones that are giving a shit on a shift to shift basis, day to day basis. Uh, they're showing a lot of leadership, and I think I think their rebuild is the is, is a really encouraging one. Uh, tons of it's it's the right year to do it. It's the right draft class. They've got tons of picks. They have an NHL record, eight picks in the first two rounds, uh, which they probably won't use because that's too many, uh, which means that they can use those to go and get actual NHL upgrades at at, at important positions whenever they want. And uh, I think that that, I think that's what they will do. And they've got some young guys who are playing hard. You don't want total apathy. You want guys that are actually out there caring uh and you want to get you do want to try and give your fans a reason to tune in so even though it's like this is bad they're probably going to lose you're going for moral victories
0: totally patrick how about for baseball
4: yeah i was going to say ryan everything you know you said about the rebuild seems on the money with it being a, a dirty word because most teams i think in all sports think they can just do some tinkering i mean we just saw on, on Tuesday night, Atlanta win the World Series, and yet this offseason, they're going to still have to do some tinkering to get themselves back in the same position. Well, in baseball, the, the other far end of the spectrum is tanking. Is To your point, Harrison, it, it takes a lot longer in baseball because those draft picks that you know, the Coyotes might be able to get in the draft next year can maybe make more of an immediate impact. Same thing with the NFL and same thing with the NBA but in baseball it takes a couple years just for those guys to even make it to the major. So to really rebuild uh, a lot, what a lot of teams have done in baseball is they're bad for three or four years. So they can increase the the likelihood that some of the players that they pick in the first, second and third round will become, you know, really talented. They'll get a very good farm system and similar to what, you know, Arizona might do it in, in the NHL is use some of those as trade capital going forward. So not too many teams are, are doing the just traditional rebuild as much. We're not seeing tanking as much either, but uh, it's really just tinkering because there's so many different pieces with individual players. It's a team effort all around that. You can just do the right things here and there, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you can have a, a fantastic season, pretty much like Atlanta did.
3: The hardest thing I think about uh, rebuild and baseball, is it takes so long for those draft picks to pay off. Yeah. And on top of it, each season is the longest season. So if you're saying, hey, we're getting a first-round pick who might be really good three years from now, you're telling your fans, hey, um, that's 480 games that you're going to have to watch before our rebuild starts to pay off.
0: So I agree. There's a lot of tinkering, and I like that word for it. When you guys think of rebuild. Do you think of, like, right now with the Broncos? Like, I've seen a lot of people don't like the word rebuild because they think it means trading everyone it means trading Sutton it means trading some of these younger guys that they just got like a few years ago and starting completely from scratch to me I personally don't think that as rebuild that's not my mind it's using these young guys and trading those older veterans um, like the Teddy Bridgewaters that maybe the Justin Simmons and keeping these young guys Williams uh, Cortland Sutton Noah Fant even maybe and rebuilding from there what do you guys think of when you think of rebuild in that sense. Is it trading everyone or is it keeping the young guys and having them elevate?
4: No, I like what you're saying because it's it's almost like the foundation of the team, you know, when, when you're going for it is, you know, has a certain look and a certain feel to it. And there's certain players at the top of the depth chart or at the bottom of the foundation. And kind of, as you're saying with the young guys, I think you now have to rebuild and say, okay, when these younger players, you know, before they become free agents, when, when they establish themselves and become, you know, maybe multi-time pro bowlers, they're going to be the foundation of the team. And what are the other pieces around that, that we're going to, we're going to go ahead and and bring in. And so that takes a a couple of years to figure out, you know, who are those foundational pieces to keep and, and what other pieces we need from other organizations and from the draft. Totally. Yeah. uh,
0: What do you think? uh,
3: uh, Football is so interesting, um, mostly just because, in my opinion, there's only one position that matters. So to me, rebuilding is, um, you know, uh, acquiring as much capital as you can to try and fix that position. Now, um, you aren't going to trade away young players in that scenario. Noah Fant was an interesting one that you brought up, just because um, he's been a disappointment, especially yeah. this season. Yeah, but, shock. <laughs> but. Um, this is one of those things where the Broncos actually have like a really, a really legitimate young core, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, um, you know, Justin Simmons is still on the young side of his career. Um, so it, the Broncos don't need it to to get rid of all their good players. That doesn't necessarily make sense for them. And I think for me, it's about a new coach. It's about, uh, you know, a new offense and a new quarterback. That, to me, is a rebuild. I mean, in football, that's mo- pretty much everything. Not to mention, they're also going to add a new owner to the mix in the next year. So they are rebuilding, whether they want to admit it or not. I do think, though, the nuances in the term rebuilding and what it could mean to different people also gives someone like George Payton the flexibility to say, we're not rebuilding. Because in his eyes, rebuilding could be tanking uh, and trading away you know all of your best players. They traded away yeah. one guy on the back end of his career, and got a hell of a lot of value for him, which is going to help them in their rebuild, which of course involves finding a quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think if you're the Broncos, there's no reason you would look to get rid of the young players that think can make up a contending core eventually. I mean, if you go get Aaron Rodgers next offseason, the script is going to flip, like, automatically. The, The Broncos are going to go from to a contender, like in one off season, just because they got a great quarterback. So I don't think like, yeah, the the Broncos should not like be mortgaging off all their pieces, you know, because look, there's, there can be a quick fix out there.
0: Yeah, and I think it really just comes to the definition of what every individual thinks of a rebuild because I did see people saying that I I saw people saying this roster is too good and too deep and too young to rebuild or blow it all up. And so like it just depends on how you interpret that rebuild because I agree with you Ryan, this team needs a new coach, needs a new offensive coordinator, and needs that quarterback and that to me is a rebuild and using those pieces like that foundation to actually make this team successful.
4: Tanking is a type of rebuild, but not all rebuilds are tanking. It's like yeah. a square yeah. is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. A lot it's-
1: of a lot of rebuilds are retools, and that's what the Broncos yeah. are really looking at right now. They're looking at retooling and it's just finding a quarterback. It's not even it's not it, with the Broncos, this is easy. Like it's easy, but it's really hard because finding <laughs> a quarterback is incredibly difficult. But it's not it's not a complicated diagnosis of what's going wrong here. Yeah. Like you look at you look at organizations that need rebuilds, you know, but Harrison and I went through rebuilds. Mm-hmm. We went through true blue, tear it down to the studs, build it all the way from the ground up. We went through that. The, the teams that we covered were true rebuilds. Like they were high draft picks, high draft picks, high draft picks, high profile trades, get a couple of these things right, get a little lucky along the way. and you're sitting pretty. you're competing again. Like it was it, it, it's hard to do. It looks easy when you do it well, but there were, there are still missteps along the way, you know, it's, but, but with the Broncos, they're not in that position. They've, they've kind of been in that position in the last couple of years and outside of wasting first round picks on shit like tight ends, you know, they're, they're doing fine. Like they're doing okay. They've added talent. They haven't really, they haven't whiffed on lots of high picks. Uh, And, and even like, Missing on Drew Locke was like they missed on like the third pick that they made that year. Mm -hmm. Like it it was, it was not a, they used a seventh overall and got nothing out of it. And now they've got to try and get the seventh overall again. Like they've already won four games. The idea that they were going to tear this down and try and rebuild it, they would have to lose all of their games to try and do that. And you're looking at a, a quarterback class that in college this year, yeah, you like you're not you, you don't love it right now. You you certainly don't love it compared to the class last year, which they were comfortable just not participating on. in.
3: Yeah, that's that to me is the biggest miss and and I've been calling this for years during the John Elway GM era, the accidental rebuild um where like they weren't meaning to rebuild, but when you have picks in the top 10 every year, you're rebuilding. Yeah. Um so uh yes. They kind of lucked into a few things, but they missed along the way um, by passing on one definite great draft class. And that, of course, you know, is the, is the class that they could have had Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson without even having to move from their pick. Uh, and they ended up going with Bradley Chubb that has not paid dividends yet. Um, and then this last year, I think will time will tell. But, you know, they pass on Justin Fields and Mac Jones um, when they wouldn't have even had to move from their pick to get either of those two guys. So uh, that's the one thing that I think has fans the most upset is you got to get the quarterback. And the Broncos haven't been swinging to try and get that guy Uh, Drew lock was a half hearted swing. Even Paxton Lynch going back further was a half hearted swing, you know, drafting a quarterback in the 20s. Um, is not necessarily you know, swinging for the fences. So um, that, that's the one thing that the Broncos have missed so far. But George Payton has only had one opportunity to do that. He picks Pat Sertan. Well, Pat Sertan is awesome. Uh, so, uh, you know, so far so good, as long as you get it right eventually. Otherwise, we'll just look back, and if Justin Fields becomes a player, then we'll say, well, the George Payton era was defined by him passing on Justin Fields, you know, in the first year.
0: But why do you think the Broncos have been swinging and, or I guess not swinging to get those quarterbacks? Because they've been trying to sell to the, to the fan base. Joe Flacco's the guy. Case Keenum's the guy. Teddy Bridgewater will be the guy instead of going for these younger quarterbacks. Is it because of that fear of the rebuild going with that young rookie that you don't know after Paxton Lynch? Like, is it that fear?
3: The fear definitely played a role in Josh Allen um, because, you know... Paxton Lynch was a tall, athletic, strong-armed quarterback. A big,
1: toolsy quarterback that had serious problems.
3: Yes, and then Josh Allen, who, you know, revisionist history now makes it seem like an easy pick. He went to Wyoming. Um, He didn't win a lot at Wyoming. And then the Broncos actually had him on their team at the Senior Bowl, and Baker Mayfield, I mean, just looked eons better than him day in and day out of that Senior Bowl. So – it would have been another roll of the dice on the big arm, tall athletic quarterback with tools. Um, I would say that you would, I would hope they would have realized that Josh Allen had much better intangibles than Paxton Lynch had. Um, But he, I mean, he didn't pop until year three. So that's, that's one part of it. I also just think that John Elway had this idea in his head after 2015, that if you just have a stabilizing force at quarterback, you can win with a great defense. And to his defense a little bit, they had to pay Javon Miller so much money to keep him around that it strapped them in some other areas. Um, But in the end, I think it was the idea that John Elway got in his head that, look, all you need is a stabilizer at quarterback, just someone to keep the ship steady and you just invest in defense, defense, defense and you can win a Super Bowl. That kind of worked in 2015, but, you know, when you look back at that, that wasn't just a stabilizing force, a quarterback. That was Peyton freaking Manning. Yeah. Um, and even though he was a shell of himself at the time, his mind wasn't. He was still the type of guy who could walk up the line and get you in the right play on every single down. So um, I think that's the biggest failure of that whole philosophy was they thought they could replace 2015 Peyton Manning a lot easier than they could, even though 2015 Peyton Manning wasn't really Peyton Manning.
0: Yeah. I'm interested to go into, well, first, let's talk about Vaughn Miller. Ryan, how do you feel about the team losing Von Miller? What do you think of what they got in return before we jump into Avs and Nuggets rebuilds that they went through?
3: Yeah, it's a it's a bummer from a, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Nostalgic standpoint, you know? Uh, Vaughn Miller is one of the coolest Broncos of all time. Uh, he's one of the more fun Broncos of all time. He is a Super Bowl MVP. It is never easy to part ways with those guys. But I think it was a, a really good move. Um, you know, as I said the day before the trade, it's up to George Payton to look on the roster and say, which one of these, who of these guys is going to be on the next Denver Broncos Super Bowl team? And whatever guys that he came to and said, I don't think this guy will be there, um it was up to him to say let's see what kind of value we can get for these guys and if the value is good we should move them and the value for Vaughn was really really good um I was pretty surprised that they were able to get a second and third for Vaughn and this is something that has now been a pattern with George Payton he just keeps getting more than I expect for trades and usually when you're the one trading the piece you end up getting less uh, than you expect So it's a two and a three for Von Miller. Of course, the Broncos have to pay $9 million. If you could pay $9 million for a second round pick every day, you would just keep doing it every single day. (laughs) Um, So that's absolutely worth it. And, uh, uh, you know, then on top of that, you know, just to finish kind of the point about George Payton, they trade Kerry Vincent Jr., who's never even played a snap. They drafted him for a seventh round pick this year. They just traded him for a sixth round pick. I'm like, how do you do that? going back to training camp they trade trinity benson a guy who didn't have an nfl catch for a fifth round pick i don't know how george payton keeps doing it but it is a good sign for the idea of you know him rebuilding it
0: he's good at selling his guys (laughs) he is how do you guys feel about von miller leaving obviously he's not just like a denver bronco he was a denver sports staple in this city
4: from that honestly.
2: Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, I was going to say
4: from that aspect, it, it's heartbreaking, right? If you put aside, you know, wins and losses, and and trying to win a championship and all that, it's it's just, you know, again, another one of those guys, especially with it coming off the heels of the Nolan Arenado trade past off season, and so now that's that's two guys in the last nine months on the first day of the month to you know go elsewhere, and it's it's heartbreaking because especially for a lot of fans who they look in their closet and they've got a lot of Von Miller merchandise. Right. And, um, and you know, maybe it becomes even more valuable going forward here since there, you know, might be a shortage since they're not gonna be making that much more of it, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. It it just sucks when someone that's just been that staple that has been the guy that you could always count on, that you could always rely upon no longer being there and not because he retired, but because, he was, you know, traded away and, and may now have success somewhere else, which you do hope, but that's a it's a bittersweet pill to have to swallow.
0: Totally. I when I realized that the Nolan Arenado trade was only nine months ago, I literally turned to I turned to Ryan and I was like, what? How? This feels like it's been that happened like two years ago. Like the fact that people will be saying that Nolan Arenado and Von Miller were traded in the same year, my brain like couldn't understand. I was like, it's only been nine months. Like, how is that possible? But that's just a little. I don't know how
4: many other cities have had to deal with two kind of cornerstone players traded away i'm sure i'm sure it's happened before many times but I, I can't think of any off the top of my head
0: and then there was the fear of landy well some people had fear aj wasn't very fearful but like like Landiskog leaving the abs organization being that captain being similar to the vaughn oh that would have been terrible that would have been terrible a terrible year um uh, aj harrison how do you guys feel about vaughn leaving
2: Go for it. I felt the uh I felt a lot of similar emotions to when Nolan Arenado left, to be honest. Um, like, oh wow, this really sucks. The best player on this team, the cornerstone, the face of this team is leaving. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy for Vaughn because uh he's played on a lot of mediocre teams over the last several years and like Nolan. I think he deserves a chance to play for an organization that's in a position to win. Um, So I, I like, I totally saw where Nolan was coming from when he asked for a trade. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Um, Anybody would, any star player would in that situation when they're just playing for an incompetent organization. Um, But for, for Vaughn, I'm, I'm kind of happy for him. It's bittersweet. It, It sucks because he is the face of the Broncos and, (laughs) the Broncos are just like, who even are they right now? Like, who's the face of the Broncos? Is it John Elway? Is it Peyton Manning? Like, who is the face of the Broncos right now? Um, So it sucks from that standpoint. Uh, But I'm kind of happy for Vaughn. Part part of me is happy for him that he's going to go to a place where he has a chance to win a Super Bowl.
0: Definitely. It's crazy to see these players like Vaughn was here for 11 years. Like it, the seeing him tear up when he's leaving the organization, like the practice facility for the last time. I feel it really got to a lot of people being like, damn, like that. That's everything he knew when it came to pros in the NFL. And now it's a new adventure and you're happy for him. But that nostalgia really like hits. It's a bittersweet situation for fans, for sure. I
1: don't think it's bittersweet at all. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for Vaughn, and I'm thankful for everything that he did in his time in Denver. You talk about you talk about a successful run. Guy was drafted second overall at the beginning of the John LA era. Ended up being one of the players that defined that generation of Broncos football. Won a Super Bowl. Won a Super Bowl MVP. Delivered on everything. Had a Hall of Fame career. Um, I can't look back and say missed opportunities here. You look back with Arenado, and you're like, ah, man. How did how did how did an infield this talented not accomplish more? you know how did the how did a team that had these kinds of players on it not do more? And part of it was Arenado's own incompetence in the postseason that got him there. Not that he wasn't a great player, but he what he had, he hadn't been any good the postseason. St Louis found this out their um, their own way. you know, hadn't been any good. Vaughn was the opposite. Vaughn delivered. Vaughn was Vaughn Vaughn making big plays was the staple of the the 20 of the Super Bowl 50 run. Every round did something awesome. Every round made a game changing play. Every round lived up to his billing as the man and went head to head against the guy that was drafted ahead of him like it was the ultimate like it was the ultimate storyline. All right, which guy's better? Which guy is gonna which guy's career is gonna be defined by this? And you look at it, you if 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 Cam Newton wins that day and Vaughn doesn't We feel differently about this today. It feels like a lost opportunity for Vaughn and Cam Newton probably has a job somewhere because he was a super bowl winning quarterback, but because Vaughn dominated that day and the Broncos defense dominated that day, we all have happy memories. It's all for me, for me, this is all, it's all good. Understanding the business of sports and giving a great player an opportunity to go and do something uh, for, for an organization that's actually playing meaningful football. Great. Let him go. I've, I I hope he wins another Super Bowl MVP. He'll forever be a Bronco. People will always associate him with the Broncos. And that's just how it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I got to watch him. I'm thankful it worked out as well as it did. I don't feel bittersweet at all. You got to, you made a smart business decision and you got to close the book on a really, really successful era. I wish all, I wish all high draft picks in Colorado sports history had a run like that.
0: Yeah, definitely could have ended in a, in a different way that could have left the situation just not as good. Um, so the way that it ended, getting the picks that they did, and Vaughn leaving like content as well, definitely e- makes it a good ending to this story.
3: Yeah, and, and just to add on to what AJ said, like that twenty fifteen playoff performance is arguably the most dominant uh, performance by a defensive player in a playoff run. Uh, in history. And so now you have that. And then you also probably have the most dominant uh, performance by a running back during a playoff stretch in history, of course, with Terrell Davis. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with just about everything that AJ said there.
0: All right. Before we move on to Nuggets and ABs, football fans, Are you ready to score some free bets? You can do that on DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. DraftKings is also now allowing same-game parlays. And, Ryan, how much have you been loving same-game parlays?
3: Oh, it's a love-hate relationship um, with same-game parlays. But... (laughs) When they hit, I love them a lot.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But (laughs) you can listen to DMVR uh, Bets daily to hear all of their same game parlays or just their favorite bets of the day. They go live daily at 3.30 now, so definitely check that out. It'll be 2.30 today. Um, Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on either team to score and win $100 in free bets. DraftKings does this. They love giving you – some free money, some free money to get in and and figure out the app and, and have a chance to play before you bet your own money. So, if they score your you score with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older Colorado only new customers only restrictions apply. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for details and if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. The holiday season is right around the corner, so obviously you're going to be spending a lot of money. And with that, you're going to want to find ways to save money. And the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. That's incredible. Um, as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just 50 $15 a month. I've been using Mint Mobile for a while now and so has Ryan and we're really enjoying it. It has allowed us to keep our same phone number so we didn't have to worry about switching and letting everyone know we switched phones um, and you get to still keep whatever phone you're currently using but you get to save so much money at it instead of being with uh, AT&T or Verizon which have all of those overhead costs. Mint Mobile cuts all of that down. There's no catch when when you use Mint Mobile, we highly recommend checking them out, especially with this incredible holiday offer. Like I said, if you uh, switch to Mint Mobile right now and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. It's an incredible company, and that's for a limited time only. So to do that, you're going to want to go to mintmobile.com dnvr. That's mintmobile.com dnvr. And cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at Mint Mobile slash dnvr all right aj you mentioned the abs and the nuggets really going through rebuilds like true rebuilds on their own so i would love for you to tell us a little bit about the abs rebuild what did the rebuild start after the 2017 season or was it before then the 2016 2017 season
1: uh the ads the ads are not who you want to copy when you talk about rebuilding <laughs> um because they accidentally bottomed out they weren't trying to lose that year that they had 48 points if you go back and look at that roster there's no reason they should have had 48 points that was too good of a team it was too talented of a team um it was it was just some bad luck and then it was some bad culture and then when you're so far out of the playoff race by january 1st everybody stops putting in the work and you know it's human nature you understand uh, why, why guys quit on that season. Uh, but it's really, uh, a lot of people say it started in 2017, but really it's, I mean, na- getting Nathan the Nathan McKinnon pick at first overall yeah. in 2013, they got that pick right. And they got really lucky that it took him five years to figure it out because if he breaks out right away, the abs are nowhere near as good as they are today because they don't draft Kael McCarr, they don't trade Matt Duchesne for what has turned out to just be Sam Girard and Bowen Byram. Oh, no, not that. <laughs> you know, their their entire remade defense is a result of what happened, the, the accidental bottoming out in 2017. Um, the, the thing that they did, though, the, the one thing that the Avalanche did right, and there's been a lot of consternation over Colorado's inability to get NHL players beyond the first round, uh, but they got all their top picks right. Yeah, their worst, their worst top ten pick that they made was Tyson Jost, and that was a bad draft class. And he's still a productive, quality NHL player. He's a low end NHL player, but he's an NHL player. It's not a bust. And that's where I mean, you look at all the other teams that have picked at high in the draft over the years. The the abs just did it right, you know. They they draft Matt Duchesne. they draft Gabe Landeskog, they get Kale McCarr, they get Nathan McKinnon, all of their high draft picks. They get Bowen Byram, all of those high draft picks. They got them right. Miko Rantanen, they got tenth overall. Like they just got them right, and that's almost unheard of mm-hmm. uh, in the NHL. And that's that's what has carried them here. Is is that they were able to survive a minor misstep with the Jost pick because the others were home runs. I mean, they, they crushed them. They got all of those picks. Correct.
0: Those picks in the core, are the most important part, but how important do you think was the coaching situation? Obviously Patrick wall left before that 2016, yeah. 2017 season. And that's when Jared Bednar came in, that was a rough year. But then after that, the success that he's had here.
1: Yeah, uh, the Avs, actually, the last time the Avs hired a uh, an NHL head coach with previous NHL head coaching experience was Joel Quindle in the mid-2000s. Uh, so this going to the well of unproven guys with yeah. no NHL head coach experience, it it was okay. Like, Joe Sacco took him to the playoffs. Patrick Waugh took him to the playoffs. Neither one of them won a round, and were relatively short tenured. Jared Benner, they got it right. Uh, he's the longest tenured Avalanche head coach ever, Wow. and he's taken them. He's taken them to the to the second round three consecutive years on three very different teams. Uh, people love to joke about, oh, the Avs can't get out of the second round, but like one of those years they weren't supposed to be in the second round. One of those years they lost half their team to injury in game two of the second round. And then last year was a legitimate disappointment, a huge yeah. letdown for everybody. And that was the best team that they've played in the postseason. Uh, in, in the, that three year stretch. Uh, it was, they got it right. They got it right. It was really, it's really hard to do to get a coach that that connects with the core and wants to coach a style that fits with your core and, and can communicate on their level and get the best out of them. But, uh, but, you know, also, when you have talent like that, just sitting around when you walk in on day one, it helps.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> is there anything Ryan uh, or anyone else wants to add to the Avs part of the rebuild conversation?
3: <clears throat> no, and, and I don't want to, like, use this to um, lower what they did at all, but there is luck involved, and I think even AJ acknowledged that. Like, Oh, yeah. Um, like it's not quite uh jokic level luck but <laughs> getting kale McCarr at number 4 like is is lucky like uh you know he probably ends up coming out of that as the best player in that class um the, the avs
1: there there are three players from that draft class that you could argue are the best players from that class and they were drafted 3rd, 4th and 5th right and they were the avs were By far the worst team in the NHL that year and ended up with the worst possible pick that they could have for finishing in last place. Mm -hmm. And it happened twice because of the Ottawa pick that also ended up fourth overall. Ottawa was last place that year. The world is very different if the Avs get first place, get first and draft Nolan Patrick and uh, Jack Hughes. It's just a very different world.
0: Yeah, yep. and even though with those two four picks, they had Kale McCarr and Bo and Byram with the fourth overall picks.
3: Right, still still to be seen on on Bo, but um,
1: it's done. He's a star.
3: Hell yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right, I love it. But either way, like there's just, sometimes you have to get lucky. I mean, you know the the chi- like the Chiefs were already good, but the Chiefs are lucky that Patrick Mahomes ended up being that guy. Um, the <laughs> the Bills are lucky that that Josh Allen ended up being that guy. Like you're smart on taking the risk on these guys. um, But anyone who pretends like they can know what these players are going to turn out to be before they actually turn out to be it is lying. It's a gamble. Totally. Mm
0: -hmm. Speaking of luck, then that's perfect way to transition to Nikola Jokic and the nuggets. Harrison, when do you think the nuggets rebuild like officially started? Was it when Tim Connolly started and kind of took over?
2: No, it actually wasn't because when Tim Connolly got here, the Nuggets tried to win games immediately. Um, like they had Daniel Gallinari, they had Wilson Chandler, they brought in some terrible free agents and like J.J. Hickson and Nate Robinson, they were trying to win right away. They were trying to get into the playoffs right away. And that obviously backfired and that blew up in their face. And the fact that it blew up in their face so bad probably set the table for Tim Connolly going back to the drawing board and be like, okay, I actually have to do this thing the right way and <laughs> build through the draft. And that's exactly what they did. If you're looking for a time when the nuggets rebuild actually started for real, it was probably when they drafted Emmanuel Moutier, uh, seventh overall in 2015. This is the year after they draft Jokic, but he spent the next season in Europe. So he hadn't come o- come over yet. This is the year after they drafted Gary Harris and Yusef Nurkic, but I don't think they viewed either of those guys as like a star franchise type guy. They thought Moutier was that guy. Uh, They they thought he was going to be their franchise point guard for the next 10 years. Like he comes in and he checked all the boxes. He was the six foot five guy with, you know, an NBA body already who people thought was going to be athletic, but then he wasn't actually that athletic and never really got better. They handed over the reins to him from day one. And mm-hmm. that's probably when the rebuild started, you know, but still Denver never really bottomed out or anything. Gallinari and Chandler, those guys were around. They had some other veterans here. Um, it's not like they ever bottomed out, but it's funny because Moutier being bad probably paved the way for Nikola Jokic to rise to power because if Moutier is really, really good, it you know, like a Jokic- dictator. <laughs> He was a Jokic is the dictator. Yeah, right. Moody, could have been, but like everything was set up for him to be the guy. But the second he wasn't, I think Michael Malone was like, all right, let's, let's focus everything around Nicole Jokic and, and here we are. But Denver did everything through the draft, which when you're in a market like Denver is in the NBA, particularly, that's how you absolutely have to do it. And so they hit on some draft pick, some draft picks. They certainly missed on some draft picks, but um, they really, really hit on you know some of the draft picks. So that's that's what really mattered in the end.
3: Do you think that the, the Nuggets deserve like credit for passing the reins over to Nikola Jokic, or was it just so obvious that like anyone would have done it?
2: It was obvious, but at the same time if you put yourself in Michael Malone's shoes, like that's gotta be tough. Um, because Michael Malone's the other ingredient in this, like he was fired in Sacramento, which was a terrible choice. Um, hired in Denver and, you know, he had a bad first season here, just like he had in Sacramento. And then, you know, a second season to think it off to the great start either. And that's, you know, when he was fired in Sacramento at the beginning of a second season. And that's when he turned over the reins to Nicole Jokic. So, I feel like from his perspective, he could have been seeing the same thing happen. Um, like it was obviously obvious that Jokic was a great player, but still it takes a lot of guts to turn over your franchise and like the direction of your entire offense to a second round pick who hasn't really proved himself instead of like being, okay, Daniel Gallinari go and get us 30 every night. Like that would have been the safer option. Probably.
3: What's crazy about Jokic not to completely derail this, but as we're talking about this, I'm realizing literally at every single turn, Jokic just keeps being better. Um, Like I remember in summer league, he was like exciting. And we're like, oh, that guy, you know, that guy has some promise. And then he started playing and he started making plays. And we're like, wow, this guy's good. And then they make him like the centerpiece and the offense, you know, the offense becomes amazing. And then, you know, they make the play, they, they just miss the play. like, And even this year, After winning the MVP last year, he comes back and it's like, oh my God, he's markedly better than he was last year. It's unbelievable. It's, it's like a straight up, uh, you know, uh, trend. He has just trended straight up his entire career.
0: It's like, when is he going to reach his like peak? When is it going to be like, this is the ultimate Jokic?
3: Yeah. We still don't know. We don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and it's it's crazy because part of the reason why it took so long for a lot of people to come around to him is because just you've never seen a player like him before. Yeah. Um, like that's honestly why it was easier for a lot of people to believe in like a Jamal Murray or a Michael Porter Jr. Because yeah, these guys are like, you know, your classic a 2021 point guard, or your classic Kevin Durant type score on the wing. You never seen a player like Nikola Jokic before, um, which which is just part of the part of the crazy story.
0: Yeah, and that, and it's part of why the NBA and analysts and the NBA like players themselves it took them so long to truly acknowledge Jokic's like power and potential and the stardom that he has because he is different in every way from that typical NBA star.
2: Yeah, the the Nuggets rebuild is just so perfect because they did it all through the draft, and all these guys have like spent their whole careers here. And Michael Malone, the other ingredient in it, is just like the perfect capper on the story because, um, it's funny when you talk about Malone. I met was mentioning how he got fired in Sacramento, but looking back on it, he was such an obvious hire for the Nuggets because he had like everything going for him that you look for in an NBA coach. He was an assistant on LeBron's Cavs teams when, uh those teams were like dominating the East. He was an assistant in golden state. When Steph Curry was coming up, he had all these great little notes on his resume and then just got fired wrongly in Sacramento and like looking back at him. And it's like, of course this guy would be the perfect head coach to bring in on this super young team. You know, when you're trying to build this culture up from, from ground zero, of course he would be the right guy, but you know, that took a while for a lot of people to come around on too.
0: Yeah.
4: And of course he'd be the guy that would be able to identify a star in Jokic, which which again is not a not not the normal variety as, as we've established. But again, seeing Curry and seeing LeBron, he kind of knows when someone's got that gift.
1: Yeah. I, I also think the Nuggets deserve extra credit because not only did they build the Nuggets through the draft, but they built the jazz through the draft too. <laughs>
2: oh my God.
0: Yeah. Uh. And, Paris, and we'll- what Harrison,
4: when, I was just curious. Like, what's their window going to be for contending now after you know the rebuild a few years ago? And, and is that window of contention essentially going to be as long as Nikola Jokic is is in a Nuggets uniform?
2: Yeah, well, it's going to be as long as Nikola Jokic plays in the NBA because I think he's going to be in a Nuggets uniform for the rest of his career. And like, I don't think that's a hot take. I just think that's what it's going to be. Um, they can sign him to a five-year deal next offseason, extend his contract. They'll do it. So, you know, they're going to be in a contention window for, you know, the next five-plus years. So, it's it's not slowing down.
3: Right. It's like when you had Peyton Manning, you were a Super Bowl contender. Like, that's yeah. just the way it was. Um, and um, I was going to say, you know, you're you talking about how the Nuggets rebuild is so perfect kind of leads me to something we've talked about a little bit before, but, like, if the Nuggets ever or win the Nuggets get over the hump and win a championship, it will be like the perfect fan experience of your team winning a, a championship, like going and, you know, of course the whole, like we don't skip steps thing. Like yeah. it's, the, it's the right coach. It's the right GM or, you know, president. It's the right players. It's all done the right way. And like, if, if that happens when that happens, it's going to be like a perfect championship from a fan perspective.
2: It's really too perfect. Like, it shouldn't be that perfect, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's it's never happened this way before. I mean, the Warriors were kind of similar um, when, you know, they had Steph and Clay and Draymond and had this dynasty come out of nowhere. Um, but, yeah, everything with the Nuggets just, just lines up.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's how you end it with we don't skip steps. That's just how – that's the Nuggets rebuild. It, it was just – it's perfectly defined in that. Uh, and we have a shirt about it, so check it out on yes. the DMVR, uh, .com, the DMVR, or DNVRlocker.com. You can get a free shirt when you subscribe to thednvr.com. And the holidays are coming up, and there's a lot of stuff stuck on cargo ships that aren't getting here. And so a great way to get – your family or your friends a gift is to support local and is to get them a shirt or get them a gift card or get them a subscription to the dmvr.com or even a gift card to the bar because the food's bomb. Um, and right now, actually, our deal of the week so our deal for members only is if you buy any merch item at the bar, you're going to get a free beer. So mm-hmm. definitely recommend checking that out as people start uh, panic shopping since news just keeps coming out that stuff is just not gonna be in stock by the time even like black friday when it comes to some of those like big things but the dmvr clothing and everything like that will be in stock so check that out um support local like i said support support local in every sense um speaking of supporting local Sexy pizza is as local as it gets. They've been in the Denver community for 13 years now. They have 12, 16, or 18-inch crusts. Um, sexy pizza is sure to be the right fit for anyone, honestly. They have gluten-free options, they have dairy-free options, they have vegan options, uh, they have 12, 16, or 18-inch crusts, they've got wings, salads, pasta, knots, or the their little uh cinnamon twist like dessert options. Oh, they're so good. You can have them at the DMVR Mile High Tailgate if you aren't able to go into a location, but they have a bunch of different locations. Uh, They have it in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park and Park Hill, and they're opening some new locations. So definitely check that out. But they're just really great pizza. Like I said, you're supporting local. Highly recommend checking them out. And you can also be a part of their Philanthropies, uh, which is supporting the community. And you can learn more about that at www.sexypizza.com and check out their about page for the donations link to see how sexy pizza can support your favorite cause. They're such a great company. Highly recommend checking them out and eating their pizza. All right, Patrick, let's finish up with the Rockies who we, like we talked about at the beginning, baseball's that long rebuild and, and rebuild is based off of everyone's own definition of it, but people are really calling for a rebuild for this rockies organization with a new gm um and uh, guys like nolan arenado trevor story john gray they're like nolan arenado gone trevor story john gray their future's up um for grabs or what's the word up up for debate up in the air up in the air there we go i was like there something's wrong here
3: that's why she keeps me around
0: it's yeah it's true that's the only reason
4: (laughs) And and the squish spiders. You have you have other roles, Ryan. I'm sure. Yeah, the, you know the Rockies ultimately have never really undergone a rebuild. They they don't really believe in that. They are they are constantly rebuilding, lowercase R. Uh, they are constantly tinkering, but they somewhat refuse to kind of maybe go all in. Not not even saying tanking, but they refuse to really kind of rid themselves of some of their superstars to kind of plan for a a better future because, you know, I, I think they, they like their guys, they're, they, they like players that come through their system and maybe quote unquote, play the game the right way. And that's just not how they go about it. I mean, you, you see what happened with Nolan Arenado trade, and that was more about just kind of getting rid of his money off the payroll. And that was kind of a big piece. And because of that, you know they didn't get a ton in return. Now they they may end up, you know, being all right. You, you know, uh, Austin Gomber was was really good in 2021, and um, there's a third base prospect that they got that could help contribute. But when Yo, you're talking,
1: Ella Harris Montero's the shit. Montero's very yourself. good.
4: He he had a, he had a really really good season in in 2021. A, a former Midwest League MVP, uh, and so I think they they bought when the stock was low on him. And so, you know, he certainly could be, you know, pretty good. But uh, when you're talking about a cornerstone player like Nolan Arenado and the fact that you're, in addition, throwing, you know, a lot of money to St. Louis to play him, you know, you would would hope to get back a lot more. Trevor Story is going to be a free agent, and they may just get, like, a second-round pick for him. Now, if he signs a big deal, they'll get – roughly the 31st overall pick. And we know that, again, in baseball, it takes years to feel that impact. And they would have been better off trading Trevor Story this last offseason and you know getting something substantial. However, they were in the process of trading Nolan Arenado. And John Gray is another player that they did not willingly listen to offers at the trade deadline because they wanted to lock him up on a long-term deal. And now that seems like it might be falling apart. So it's this domino effect that, you know, they they don't want to appear like a minor league team to other clubs. And because of that, they end up appearing like a minor league team to other clubs.
0: And I mean, you see what people say online all the time is I the team is still interesting. The team is still winning and going to baseball games at course field is is fun. So the ownership has Less questions as to why change – like why why go into a legit rebuild when, hey, we're making money and Coors Field is still packed and and people are still enjoying watching this team even if it isn't those diehard fans as much anymore.
4: Yeah, I think there's some truth in that. And, you know, they the closest thing they ever came to a rebuild was after the 1999 season. Uh, they'd gotten a new general manager who traded away Vinny Castilla, Dante Bichette, Daryl Kyle, who was a free agent pitcher that, you know, was okay, probably underperformed, but they traded away about $35.5 million worth of contracts. They brought in, you know, Jeff Cirillo, who was an all-star for anyone that likes to go back to the year 2000. But ultimately what that did was it allowed them to spend money in free agency the next off season, And they went and threw a lot of money at Mike Hampton, Denny Nagel, and then that didn't work out. So really they're, first ever kind of foray into breaking down some things, right? I mean, they essentially broke up the Blake Street bombers. Yeah. Uh, in, in that offseason. Their first foray into doing that didn't work out. And so I think they're kind of hesitant to ever try it again. Because like you said, no matter what they do, you know, people are going to come out to the ballpark. They're still going to make their money and that's not so bad.
3: What do you think if if you were in the position, what would be your style uh of kind of rebuilding this
4: yeah it's hard i, I think no matter what colorado does as a franchise is going to take you know many years right yeah. the, there's there's the tanking strategy of course but that comes with you know 100 lost three or four hundred lost seasons in a row and that can really disenfranchise some people and so i understand why you wouldn't want to do that it doesn't guarantee a world no. series championship the Rockies don't want
1: to go disenfranchising people now.
4: <laughs> great, great point. And and you know, the tanking doesn't guarantee a, a World Series. It mm-hmm. does guarantee that you're gonna, you know, make a postseason three out of you know, three out of four years, right? And so that's more than what they're doing right now. I think what they what they can do, and you know it still remains to be seen, but you know, Bill Schmidt, you have to give him you know some opportunity here. I know it's it still seems like it's the same old Rockies, but you know, he's starting to build an analytics department. I, I think the Rockies need to be smart in, in every way, shape, or form. And analytics is, is one of those big ways in, in trying to find, you know, undervalued players, trying to use their ballpark to their advantage. And even though, you know, reports are that they're going to have about maybe six members to their analytics department, um, going from one to six the other teams in their division have upwards of thirty people in their analytics department, yeah. figuring out all kinds of things of, of strategic, you know, in-game strategies, uh, as well as just you know, drafting and developing strategies, all kinds of stuff like that. And so they're still, you know, really far behind. And and I, and I think that's that's a big element that can maybe help them going forward is is sorting that out and really really reinvesting in behind the scenes type things. Which they're starting to do now, but they're still they're still many years behind the trend.
3: Yeah. Uh, I... Real quick, I was just gonna say, like that's one of the things that I, I find to be really important and something I really want in the Broncos, you know, rebuild here is forward thinking people. Um, like in twenty twenty one, hearing Vic Fangio say like he just goes with his gut on whether or not to go for it on fourth down is so cringeworthy to me. Like, like there, there, right, there actually right. is a right and wrong decision. And it's not just like however you, you happen to be feeling at the time. <laughs> like, you need to use the information that is available to you. And, you know, Vic, like a lot of coaches have um, game management coordinators on the staff who are in the booth using analytics to tell the coach, hey, you probably want to burn a timeout here. Hey, uh, this is you actually want to go for two here. Hey, this is a fourth and one on our side of the 50. This is worth going for. Like, it it just blows my mind that he is actively avoiding that information that is available to him, and, and that's just my problem. With that, but I think like you look at someone like Brandon Staley, who was actually on the Broncos staff a couple years ago, who's now in Los Angeles, and you know, we'll see how things end up for him. But he seems to know all of this stuff; he's on top of all of this stuff, and it feels it makes it feel like the Broncos are at a disadvantage against teams that are thinking that way when they're playing them.
1: I Would also like to note that the Abs turnaround uh, just happened to coincide with them investing in an analytics department that is on the cutting edge of hockey analytics uh, and that they have been one of the teams involved in the most advanced modeling in the NHL over the last couple of years. And imagine that they got really good. Yeah. Not going to say that that's solely because of that, because obviously you have to make good decisions, but I would say that a heavily investment in analytics helped their decision-making process on the pro scouting front because they had a lot better data to work with than they previously did, which was old guys watching games and saying, (laughs) this is how I feel about things. And as soon as they started using empirical data and running it through a certain process, their decision-making went to a completely different level and they started fleecing teams left and right in trades. And I don't think that's a coincidence.
0: Harrison, you were going to say something.
1: Yeah, because
2: it's funny. Like, you talk about in baseball how all these teams have these huge analytics staffs and they're just modeling constantly and just modeling, modeling, modeling. And the Nuggets honestly have one of the smaller front offices in the entire NBA. It's, it's a very small front office. Um, and a lot of the guys have been here from day one. But um, they have analytics people. You know, They have a couple really smart people who they rely on but the Nuggets do not have this vast analytics staff of all these guys, you know, just on computers nonstop in some room and then delivering that stuff to the front office or coaching staff. They just don't have that. Like they don't have the analytics staff that the Houston Rockets or the 76ers or a lot of these teams have not even close. A lot of what the Nuggets do is honestly pretty old school. It's like, honestly, a lot of it's built on relationships and, um, just talent evaluation from basketball scouts.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, so like analytics goes into their decisions a lot and you know, they have that component, but it's funny because the nuggets have had all this success, but I kind of feel like they're doing it in an old school way. Yeah. The person- if you're, if
4: you're, if you're having success, you, you can get away with that, right? Like yeah. that, that works. But if, if you're not, then you, you do need to keep up with the trends and you need to be proactive. Like that's the one thing. You know, you, you go back through the history and time, probably through all sports, you know, even even in Major League Baseball, the St. Louis Cardinals in the 40s and 50s were really good because they had like 20 minor league teams. They, they were they realized there's a value in in having a lot of these young guys and having the rights to them and developing them and whatnot. And so you you've got to be proactive and almost you know think outside the, the box in a sense, rather than being reactive and doing things differently you know, being behind the trends and and the Rockies in a lot of ways do things differently, but it's not in a proactive way. It's, it's just more of a, yeah, we, we just don't subscribe to the industry standards and it hasn't worked for them. It's working for the Nuggets, but it's, it's not working for the Rockies.
0: And I feel like sports just continue to evolve. The game of baseball continues to evolve. The game of hockey, the game of football and the game of basketball is different than it was, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And so needing for what? 10 years ago, 10 years ago, even. Yeah. So just having forward thinking people around in decision-making positions is so important because it it just adds to the value and adds you like, like you said, Patrick, you don't want to be reacting. You want to be proactive. Uh, And I think that's why the Rockies, specifically with with what has been happening the last two years, they need to be investing in that. And that is a big step while maybe to other people in other sports, it doesn't seem like it's like one of those parts of the rebuild, like for the Rockies and baseball right now, specifically with the way it continues to change and grow. It's definitely an important factor. All right. Well, this was a great conversation guys. Um, I really, really liked this podcast. It had a little bit of the past, a little bit of the fut- a little bit of the future and a little bit of the now. Uh, if you enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review on wherever you listen to podcasts. that could be Spotify, Google, um, Apple, anywhere like that, we really, really appreciate it. And if you leave an incredible, five-star review because you love this podcast so much i will read it on the show next week we appreciate you guys hanging out with us come down to the dmvr bar today is wednesday we've got a jam-packed day full of nuggets pre-game post-game shows abs pre-game post-game shows like i said that dmvr bets daily show the rockies just released a show and we had a bronco show this morning so check out our youtube channel be sure to subscribe to that and as always subscribe to the dmvr.com and we will catch you guys next week